All right, y'all, we are back. We are back from summer whatever. What? Yeah. Summer at Redeemer, which is a little bit more chill, and we're back um, recording podcasts. Uh, excited to move into the fall um, and some things going on here at the church and just kind of ramping back up into a bit more busier season, a bit more faster paced season. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk, here's what we're going to do on this episode. We're going to talk about Psalm 33. We've been in the Psalms all summer, random selected Psalms. Um, so I did preach on, uh, preach through Psalm 33 this past Sunday. Uh, so we're going to just talk a little bit about Psalm 33 mm-hmm. and how it's helpful for us. And then Jeff's going to talk a bit about the sermon series coming up this fall. Uh, even if you don't go to here to Redeemer, we're not going to, we're going to talk about just really the theme and the idea of the sermon series. So hopefully we'll still be very helpful. Um, and then we're going to talk about a couple other topics um, and we'll kind of tell you why we're going to talk about angels and demons and spiritual gifts. Just kind of hit on some of this, uh, a lot of these different things briefly. It's a little bit of a, um, a smorgasbord of what's coming up. In it's the kind fall. of waking us up. We got to get back yeah. into the groove, man. Back into the groove. Yeah. Now you got to the beach. I yep. got to the mountains. Yep. It's kind of interesting. It is interesting. Uh, I went to the beach. Um, it was a great time. It usually rains uh, or we get a hurricane or tropical storm or something like that. Typically when we go to the beach for the past couple of years to the point that it's feeling, it started to feel personal, like a divine, <laughs> like it felt personal. Um, but uh, yeah, and then we got there and had forecasts of rain the whole time. Um, and and it was a blessing in disguise though because it would cool the day off and yeah. we got plenty of time at the beach. Um, and then it did clear up the back like half of the trip and uh and was great so it was one of those things where i thought you know honestly i'm like pretty upset about this like genuinely get angry and upset but it was like you know i'm at the beach this is a luxury Hmm. relatively few people in the world get to ever enjoy so it's like you know yeah Stop griping about it, right. you big baby. And then you weren't in a hundred plus degree weather for a little bit too. Like yeah, exactly. Here, man. Exactly. And it could have been super hot there, but the yeah. rain, like I said, the rains and stuff got the water. Off. So I was like, oh, this is actually this is actually a good design. Yeah. Given to us right now. Yeah, those of you that aren't in Texas, uh, that are listening, everybody else that's obviously you know what it's like. You walk outside here right now, and you can just smell like fire in the air. Yeah. I mean, it just has that. It's like an Gosh, oven. It literally yes. feels like it's cooking. Yes. You feel like you're cooking. Everything's brown. It's I haven't disgusting. cut my grass in two weeks, and it looks like it's freshly yeah. cut. Yeah, yeah, me too. That's amazing. Yeah. So anyhow, we got a chance to go. My happy place is the beach, um, but I we had a happy place. A friend of ours and this church uh, allowed us to go to her place up near Telluride, a place called Rico, Colorado. Phenomenal. I think it's my favorite place of Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, literally breathtaking kind of views. And, you know, sometimes for me, uh, just sometimes seeing things, seeing beautiful things, walking in beautiful things. And it's like, oh, man, I'm I'm kind of being put back together mm-hmm. again. So it was great. We had a great time. Um, and then we're, we're back here um, and ready to go. Excited about these topics. A lot to look at. Uh, you did, uh, Psalm 33 
and we're wanting to hit prayer, right? So this was, what were some of the things that struck you about this psalm with respect to, you know, why pray maybe, or how it helps us pray? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, Psalm 33 starts um, basically with, you know, your shout for joy uh, to the Lord, sing a new song, play skillfully, uh, loud shouts of joy and gladness. And so uh, immediately, sometimes when we read those psalms, it can feel otherworldly, right? Yeah. Because it can just feel like, well, that's not my Tuesday. You know, it's not how Monday went for me, and it's not how this morning's going for me, and whatever. Yeah. Or I read it tonight before I go to bed, or whatever, and it's like, that's not my world. So the amazing thing about the psalms, so many of the psalms, they'll start in one place, and then they'll tell you how to get there. They'll start... <laughs> here and then they'll rewind you know and then verse two or verse four all of a sudden you know it'll be like shout for joy in the lord uh you know i was being chased by my enemies in a desert you know (laughs) and you're like what What? um (laughs) right right you know it starts saying shout for joy in the lord and then Mm -hmm. i'm going to tell you how i got there so psalm 33 does that where it says shout for joy and then it starts going through why and the reason and the foundation for joy and happiness. And what mm. I tried to say and what I tried to do was that say that Christian joy or I should say like this, Christians are the only ones that can make sense of being joyful in this life. Christians are the only ones that can really justify joy in this life. And I this is how I made that argument from the psalm. Mm. The psalmist says be joyful for a handful of reasons. One of them is um, you know, God is good and righteous and upright. Well, if you think about this, is what Calvin does with this Psalm, he goes, think about this in opposition to our, ex- um, think about this in comparison to our life in this world. Right. If you open your eyes and you're just honest, you don't go, man, this world is just full of uprightness, integrity, and faithfulness. Yeah. And, and righteousness and justice. Yeah. You just don't. Yeah. I feel so good about the world. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. oh, the couple people are making mistakes here and there, but right. generally speaking, it's an upright place. It's not. Um, so uh, that is um, that is what it's in uh, comparison to is uh, God is good, shout for joy, Um and shout for joy because you know this world is not good, but I'm telling you good news that God is good. Yeah. Or another reason the psalmist gives is um, God created all things by speaking. Okay, yeah. so think about this in comparison to the idea that the world just came to be randomly. Um, it just, there was nothing, then there was just all of this something, and it was just completely random, mm-hmm. right? So I said over and over again, Christian joy makes sense because how... Imagine going up to someone saying, hey, look at this Look at this world that is just full of darkness, corruption, chaos. That at any minute and second, you feel like might crush you. Hey, um, in that world, have be happy. Be glad. That sounds crazy. Hey, this world is completely random. You're random. You have no purpose. You have no meaning. Um, you have no beginning and no end for all that matters. None of this matters. Hey, be happy. Yeah. How? How? So... Christians can justify saying, be happy, because I'm asking to that, why? What is there to be happy about if this world is all that there is? It's completely random. It's absolutely meaningless. There's no point to any of it. Um, 
how what am I supposed to be happy about? So this psalm is saying, shout for joy because there is a good God who made it all, who's still at work in the world, the psalm says, who's still in control of the world, the psalm says, because even if you said there is a God who created it all, but it's out of control, how can I be happy about that kind of, how, how do I have sustainable, unshakable joy if there's a God, even if there is a God, but he's, but he's, everything's out of his control. I'm in control. I mean, that's yeah, depressing. What is, yeah. What is in control? Is that whatever's in control good? Exactly. It, there would seem to be uh, evidence contrary to that, but yeah. Might makes right. I mean, yeah. it's like, so, um, and then ultimately though, I said this to, to wrap this up. I said, all of that there, there's a good God who created all who's still in control is not enough for our joy because as sinners who've rebelled against this God, the Psalm just said, you haven't won. You have rebelled against him. You want to be the creator. Your truth is my truth. I'll create my own truth. I'll tell you what gender I am. You know, I am God, right? And the Psalm just said, no, you're not. And you haven't won. He's still in control. That's terrifying. If you really think about it, it's terrifying because what is he going to do with me? I don't love righteousness and he does, and he's in control. I don't love justice and he does, et cetera, et cetera. I don't have integrity and he does. So what is he going to do with me? And so the Psalm drives to really the center point of, of what Calvin says is, is the center uh, or principle or whatever he says of right worship, which is where the Psalm goes to say that God delivers our souls from death. Because again, wow. if you say, by the way, you're going to live and then you're going to die. How can mm. I possibly have a shred of happiness? <laughs> I'm going to die. <laughs> You're going to bury me in the ground? Like, I don't care if that's happening in a hundred years or a thousand years. How could I have happiness right now knowing that's my future? And so the psalm says he delivers souls from death. So ultimately, the center of right worship and the center of our joy and the foundation of our joy is this God loves me. This God has steadfast love for me. This God rescues me and delivers me from sin and death and Satan. And so that's why the psalm ends. I think the very last verse, verse 22 says, let your steadfast love be upon us, O Lord. Something to that. Hmm. Um, let your steadfast love be upon us. So it's just so personal. All these high lofty things about God. And then the psalmist says, may I know and live in and experience the reality that you love me. That's, that's the foundation of our joy. It's so fascinating because when when we started the psalm, even because I was there on Sunday, it it starts so big. It starts like, okay, uh, can I sit down and can I have a glass of water first? You know, it's just boom. Yeah, right. And then even even as you were reading it and we were looking at it, it's still big because it was so. There were so many thoughts and so many yeah. things to follow about who God is, who we are. And it's almost like this thing is, uh, you know, like an hourglass. It's shaped. It starts really big and wide, but it keeps, it keeps getting narrower and narrower and narrower. And then finally, it gets to something so simple, the steadfast love. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Amazing structure literarily. Right. Amazing structure theologically. And an amazing structure of good news that even... At the broad, big part, it gets your attention. It kind of reveals you a little bit. Ah, I'm not in tuned with that song. I don't know what song you're even talking about. This is kind of loud in here. Can we turn it down a little bit? And then into who God is and uh, his character, his wonder. And then you kind of being like, well, I'm not necessarily 
tune to that song either, right? And you're trying to find your place in this, or you're trying to find mm -hmm. a place where you could sing, or a place where it would be legit for you to write a new song, and you can't fully found it. I, I found as we were reading it, experiencing it for me personally, I couldn't find it. Mm -hmm. I was waiting for it, waiting for it. I'm like, well, that's not it. That's not, that's good, but yeah, it's nice to know. I mean, philosophers would enjoy talking about that. That'd be good. And then boom, mm -hmm. you know, that still small voice, so to speak, it was like, oh, that's where you shout. Yeah. That's where, yeah. and you said, I think, uh, not ex exactly sure how you phrased it, but it came down to what really stuck for me is that you said something like, he not only came for us, he gladly came for mm -hmm. us, that steadfast love part. Mm -hmm. that's, what, that's what hit me, struck me. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's a great, great psalm. Did not expect that psalm to end that, greatly mm -hmm. to have that kind of an impact on me but it did and i wonder like as i think through before we talk about some other things the you know what would that do for prayer um it seems even the structure of it helps me in my prayer uh that i come to god and can be completely all over the map mm -hmm. Um, but knowing that what roots me and what enables me to actually start talking to him genuinely and honestly is that steadfast mm -hmm. love. Right. And that might even lead me into some, you know, go down some roads in terms of praying for others and the culture, mm -hmm. which some of the stuff in the middle could really, really hit real well. But I, it seems to me that would help. Yeah. Help me there. Even think about the Lord's prayer. I mean, it starts big. Yeah. Our Father who's in heaven, yeah. hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done, right? And then it, and then it goes. You know, provide, yeah, dinner for me. <laughs> Guide my footsteps such that I don't even enter into temptation. Right? It's big and it's small, and you got to have all of it. I mean, mm -hmm. if you just said, "God, let love me. Let your step has love be be upon me," it's like, well, is the God we're talking about the Creator? Is He in control? Is He? I mean, who is this? Right? Like, you yeah. need all of it. Yeah, you got to have the big and the the lofty and the personal, the personal yeah. lofty. Um, okay, that's enough on that. Um, yeah. Fall, um, where's your head and heart at? Um, and talk, talk maybe theme, right? Yeah. You're obviously you can talk the books of the Bible you're going to do, but but the the big theme and where your head and heart is at on that. Yeah, so we did something new last fall, right? We did two books of the Bible. I haven't done that before simultaneously: an Old Testament, New Testament. Uh, we did Judges and Galatians, and the, the gist of it, the mindset of that was like, okay, Judges kind of illustrates uh, the reality, the need for justification, lives that are wrecked by not having it. And in Galatians, you kind of get Paul's clear statements, uh, powerful propositions, uh, ideations of justification clearly. So that was a neat pairing. So I thought, you know what? I that was really helpful for me as a preacher. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily, I'm not thinking in terms of if it being helpful at this point for people that are hearing it, but I do know for the preacher, for me, it was incredibly helpful uh, to keep me in the game, highly motivated 
through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can get into a book and let's say chapter three, you start slowing down in mm-hmm. the book and you're like, oh, I'm, you know, can I come out of the weeds a little bit? Um, so going back and forth like that was helpful. So we're going to do that again this fall. We're going to do Jonah, First Peter, and, um, and the series is going to emphasize the strange God mm-hmm. uh, and this whole sense of... Uh, and I, and it took me aback even as I was preparing. I'm like, I do we really think God is strange, um, or has He become so normal, so ordinary, so um, the opposite would be unholy to us, common, mm-hmm. uh, that we don't really recognize the incredible radical strangeness of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think the the vibe is this: is that uh, when I think of the strange God, I think of how do you approach a strange God? Um, and I think the approach is with a lot of curiosity mm-hmm. combined, mixed with astonishment. So there's this sense of, man, let's be curious this fall. Let's be curious. Like, who is this strange God? Uh, and to admit that he's strange um, and to be c- incredibly curious about mm-hmm. him. So that there's this Sherlock Holmes approach, this observing approach, this humble, um, curious approach, and then just before you think that's the end of it, being curious, it curiosity connects with astonishment mm-hmm. at what you start discovering and what he starts revealing and what who he is. So you have a, a, a prophet who's incredibly strange. Everybody acknowledges that he's not like any of the other prophets. So you have a book in the Bible that's like people, even scholars, experts, look at it and go, and this is just a strange dude. Mm-hmm. Is he a strange dude? He seems to be a strange dude. Some call him a bad prophet. And so I think we're going to look at a strange prophet who encounters a very strange God, mm-hmm. certainly strange to him, mm-hmm. not who he expected although it seems to think he seems to know who he is. And then we're going to look at Peter, and Peter is, First Peter is looking at the, um, the reality of the church, this church, but taking an image of the church being um, homeless, again, in a stra- an alien, a strange place. So you have the strange prophet, the strange church. We're going to look at a lot of strangeness. Yeah. We're going to look at a lot of stuff that's just maybe you're going to discover for the first time or even rediscover like you're so used to it that it's mm-hmm. become common to you. Mm-hmm. So I would, I would imagine we'll have two approaches. One, this is just new territory. We're going places we've never gone before. Strange. Then it's going to be the strange has become so common that you're going to rediscover how strange it is. Mm-hmm. That's what I anticipate. And both of that curiosity uh, melding nicely with amazement, astonishment, like, holy cow. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the vibe. Uh, that's what I'm, um, that's how I'm approaching these two books. That's awesome. Um, all right. Speaking of strangeness, we'll do Theology After Dark, which are Wednesday night hour, hour and a half, uh, teaching night, sometimes kind of mock debates, light yeah. debate, light. Um, but we're going to do one that's just teaching, uh, on, uh, the strange to us reality of demons and angels. 
what's one quick thought maybe, on demons? Yeah, I, I think maybe we should not do theology after dark yeah, that evening. Right. Why don't we do it like more right. during the day? Uh, one right quick... now, I feel like the sun is up until <laughs> freaking 10 p.m. Oh, I don't know. I'm Annabelle, like, hey, boys, it's bedtime. And they're Annabelle like, conjuring. Sure? Yeah. Um, one quick thought, um, just even investigating it. Uh, for me, I'm amazed at how little I have known about the mm -hmm. subject. Like I'm literally like, oh my word, I knew nothing about mm -hmm. the subject. So I think all of us that are going to hear what we're going to be presenting, myself included, because I put myself in the same group as everybody else, I have never ever heard this stuff before. That's mm -hmm. what I would, you mm -hmm. can anticipate. Mm -hmm. We will be hearing stuff we have never, I guarantee you, yeah. we will be presenting stuff you've never heard before. Yeah. But, but here's the catch. It's not like we're bringing something novel to the scriptures. This is actually what the Jewish world, what Jewish thought, and what the early church believed. Yeah. I think on angels, I think, and I'm kind of just now really starting to dive into it more. Um, part of this idea came because I was reading John Calvin, uh, you know, uh, love him or don't love him as much. Huge theologian in, in church history, wrote the Institutes of the Christian Religion. And early in the Institutes, he makes a comment, like an aside comment, an off comment about angels. And it kind of got my head rolling with this, but, um, and about the idea of, do we have a guardian angel? And one thing, I think the topic of angels, number one, is going to be very encouraging personally, like per real personal encouragement. And I think that it's so much the reality of angels in this world, big world, unseen world, seen world, the whole thing is so much better than you have a guardian angel. So the question of, do you have a guardian angel? I'm not answering it now, but, um, even if the answer was yes, I think that the, the actual biblical answer is actually so much better than that in terms of what God, what angels do and what they're doing and how God uses them. And, uh, and I just think it's, I, I think it's like incredibly encouraging. I think it's wild. Um, it's talked about like, I mean, even just I, I'm on the same boat of, oh my goodness, like I've read these verses a hundred times, but never stop to really think about like how often angels are talked about, yeah. you know? Um, it's it just, it's kind of, it's kind of wild. Um, and then, you know, I think the last thing too, I think the whole topic of angels and demons, I, you know, I was sitting there writing notes one day going, you know, a lot of times we talk in categories of the natural and supernatural or the seen and the unseen. And these categories are fine and good. But I think the problem is we go too far and we go supernatural, natural, normal, abnormal, right? And so we go, if it's supernatural, it's abnormal, it's not super often, whatever. And I think that's kind of my hope is that we all come away going, this is this is our world, like it or not. Our world is full of stuff. We don't see, you know, um, there's, there's wacky, wild, magical stuff going on all the time. Without a doubt. And we need to not, it needs to be, it needs to be much more normal. Like there's yeah. a story in Acts I think I'm going to focus on that I th I think if I'm understanding it to me is mind-blowing because it shows that the early church was very thought 
like the presence in in activity of angels was very normal yeah not they weren't obsessed with it they right. weren't hyperly focused on it but they definitely were like oh totally normal yeah right, <laughs> right. very different than how we think without oh man yeah anyway that also we don't have to talk about it to keep this podcast uh to wrap it up but we'll do we're going to talk spiritual gifts later in the fall at another theology after dark these are on wednesday nights at redeemer at 6 p.m we're going to talk spiritual gifts so you know the 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 specific work of the holy spirit in our lives gifting us equipping us to serve one another to get the gospel out and we're going to talk about um really what gifts are still being given out um, particularly going to focus on kind of the controversial ones, uh, prophecy, tongues, miracles, basically. Do you have, do people, do, do people today have the gift of prophecy, tongues, and or miracles? And if so, what are those gifts? Do people still have them? You know, whatever. Man, a lot to talk about this fall. Yeah, it's going to get fun for yeah. us Presbyterians. That's right. Um, so, uh, anyways, guys, let's wrap this up there. We will be back next week and hopefully the next week. And we're back in the swing of doing podcasts. Uh, we'll put out a bunch of stuff on all these topics when they roll around. So um, until then, thanks for listening.